press the wrong music. That's not okay. I practiced which button to press. I've been pressing the same button for months. Still press the wrong button. What can I say? Stuff happens. It's Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. August, no, October. It's Tuesday, October 17th. How many people went, wait, no, anyway. I uh, hope you're having a great day. My name is Sean Shapiro. This is Ask a Traffic Cop, that show on the internet that has answers to your traffic police questions. If you got questions, please feel free to ask. That's why I'm here. I'm here to help. I'm a police officer with the Toronto Police Service, and I work at Traffic Services. That's why I call the show Ask a Traffic Cop, because I'm a traffic cop. We are currently broadcasting on TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Kick, and the platform formerly known as Twitter, now referred to as X. And I, I probably said this or asked this before, do we tweet anymore? Are we Xing? Are we do we slash? What do we? What what is it when you post something there? Is it just posting? Where where is the the cute the cute tweet statement? If you're on X, you can't ask us questions, but you can go to trafficcop.ca www.trafficcop.ca. We'll get you to my link tree. We'll get you to all of the social media links which means you can watch us on any platform. However, YouTube makes life really easy because it doesn't require a moderator to do anything. That's right. When you are on the other platform, or if you're on TikTok, it requires you to actually put something in the comments, and then our moderator, JD, cuts and pastes it into the chat channel so that I can see it. But you, you run your own show when you're on YouTube, just saying. Oh, my goodness. That's Stu. How's it going? Stuart Parsons says, hi. Uh, good morning to you. Second in the room, I might add. Uh, Zombie says, hey, robot, good morning. Is, is that what, is, uh, oh, it's a smiley face. For some reason, on it's 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 a smiley face here, but on my screen in the chat on the side, it shows up as like a, a robot smiling at me. Uh, Ian, good morning to you, Sue, sir. Posting, posting on X? What do you mean posting on X? Oh, it's called posting on X. That's what we refer to. We don't slash. We don't tweet. We post on X. That, that's, that doesn't have the romantic. It needs a. It needs a oomph name. Like, like do we? Like, you know. Okay. Uh, let's see here, Michael. Uh, tweeting is still tweeting. I hate the rebrand. <laughs> You're not alone. I listen. I don't have a problem with losing the, the whole Twitter thing. There was. I think there was a lot of negativity surrounding the platform. Uh, and a rebrand to a domain that, that Elon already owned because he created X Bank. I think that's what X.com is. It, it, a one-letter domain is pretty cool. That I got to admit. Uh, Big Jeff Fresh says, hello and good morning. Well, good morning to you too. Uh, I, I'm going to have to change this because, uh, phew, it says replay, and I thought I was talking to past Sean. No, it's current Sean who took down all the street signs off the wall and moved some stuff around this morning because we've been moving stuff around. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to make, this is replay podcast in the bottom corner there is to talk about the fact that we have this show available for replay after the show so that if you're driving around and you want to listen to what happened, but you don't want to burn data, you can synchronize when you're on Wi-Fi and then carry us along for the ride. Uh, yeah, I think I need to make a, a change. Uh, yes, and as Ian says, it's missing the je ne sais quoi. Yes. That, that that Twitter when tweeting, yes, I agree 100%. Uh, we got a comment. Uh, Sager wants to know about uh, uh, driving an SUV with a trailer as a G2 driver. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, Chelsea wants to know about turning left on a red light if both are one-way streets. We can certainly talk about that in just a moment. What I do want to talk about before we get into your questions is where the Vision Zero Enforcement Team is today. They're going somewhere different every day. They focus on different areas of the city. They are a dedicated group of officers focused on changing driver behavior one ticket at a time. They do that by enforcing the big four. What are the big four? Well, I'm glad you asked. Speeding, aggressive driving, distracted driving, and of course, impaired driving. Those are the things that lead to serious injury and death more often than not. Uh, so we focus on those. That's not to say we ignore other offenses. We will write tickets for all of the offenses but we definitely focus on those. So um, if you're doing those, expect to be pulled over and charged by them. Where are they today? Uh, 12 Division and 55 Division. Those are the neighborhoods of Weston, Mount Dennis, Rockcliffe, Smythe, the Beaches, Riverdale, Danforth, East York, neighborhoods where real people live, work, and play and deserve to be safe. It's like I've said that before or something. Yeah. I want people to be safe in my neighborhoods and I want to be safe in other people's neighborhoods because I want to get to where I'm going and back home again every single day. And I want to do that safely without harming anyone 
even myself. Um, I usually frame it differently, but that's how I framed it today because I'm, I'm all about traffic safety. It's not just something I do at work. I actually want the roads to be safe and I don't feel safe when I see some of these, oh, I could use a lot of nasty words, people choosing to throw caution to the wind. And when I mean that, I mean I actually hit the gas and go really, really fast into the wind. Uh, it's not okay. I have been passed by vehicles on either side of me. Uh, I've, I've been passed by motorcycles on the shoulder. I have been seeing some horrifically bad driving. And a lot of these drivers probably puff up their chests, you know, and give themselves credit for being such fantastic drivers. And because you haven't hit anything or killed anyone yet does not make you a good driver. Uh, if you're the people who are passing me at light speed, like I'm seeing on my commute, um, you're a horrible driver, an unlawful driver, and I would take your license away from you. Now, you're actually very lucky that I'm not on the road because I think I'd be taking a lot of licenses away from a lot of people. And I mean that with love because I want to help people be safer. And sometimes that means being nasty and giving tickets. Yeah. Uh, if, you've ever been, if you've ever considered becoming a member of the Toronto Police Service, I want to remind people that we're hiring and we'll be talking about employment in just a little while. But uh, ultimately, tps.ca forward slash careers is a place you can go right now to get information about our hiring process. Uh, there's there's stuff and things to, to read about. So www.tps.ca forward slash careers, everything you ever wanted to know. And of course, we'll talk about it a little more in detail in a little bit. Uh, let's go into question one. I'll, we'll go with Sager. Can I drive an SUV with a trailer as a G2 driver? Yes, you can. Uh, SUV, truck, um, you are entitled as a G2 driver to essentially drive a G-Class vehicle only the uh, with, with, with or without a trailer. The only conditions being you cannot have in the first year more than one uh, person, well, in the first six months, more than one person under the age of 20 between the hours of midnight and 5 a.m. You cannot have more than three passengers under the age of 20 between the hours of midnight and 5 a.m. in the second six months. And of course, you must maintain a zero blood alcohol content, no drugs, no alcohol, uh, while you are operating a motor vehicle. And that's just the way it is. Um, other than that, Oh, and by the way, there's an exemption. If you're traveling with your immediate family, you can have more than those persons that are regulated in the first year. Hmm. Evandro, good morning to you. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we're going to talk about Nathan's question. I've got Dave's question. Just flagging some questions. And, and uh, Nathan says, good morning. Good morning to you, sir. All right. Uh, two vehicles, multi-lane road. We can talk about that. Let's get into the first question. Oh. That's not the first question, but I flagged it. It's the second question. Here's the first question on this platform. Can you turn left uh, on a red light if both are one ways? Okay. <clears throat> Province of Ontario. Let's take a swig of water. Province of Ontario says you can make a right turn on a red light after coming to a complete stop and proceeding when safe to do so. Of course, while approaching a red uh, automated traffic light. So you come to a red signal. You have to come to a stop. Only then can you proceed with caution if you've established that it is safe to do so. Uh, a lot of people get this wrong. They just drive and make a right turn without ever coming to a stop. People who uh, get stopped and ticketed for this learn the lesson. Many people don't learn the lesson because they haven't been caught yet. Uh, I want to save you that ticket. Please come to a complete stop. Now, you can proceed before green in that scenario, making a right turn. And as Chelsea asks, and is, I'm assuming you know the answer, or maybe you don't know the answer, the answer is yes. If you are on a one-way street approaching uh, an, or, or wanting to turn left onto another one-way street, if there's no sign prohibiting it, and of course it's safe to do so, then you can make a left turn on a red. It's the only scenario where you can make a left turn on a red. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it's not very common. I don't know how many intersections in the city of Toronto um, that would be possible, but it is an opportunity. Uh, but again, the, again, complete stop, only proceeding when it's safe. All right, Mavi, I lost my G2. Can I get G2 same-day service in Ontario, at Service Ontario? If you've lost your photo card, you won't get a photo card same-day service, but you will get a green printed piece of paper uh, that is, in fact, a valid driver's license until your new one arrives. It would be accepted. And in, in, in that respect, it's same-day service because you'll have a license in your pocket and you'll be meeting the requirements of law, but you will not get a plastic card printed while you wait. At least I'm not aware of any location that would provide such a magical service. 
Greg Marshall has a question. If two vehicles on a multi-lane road on outside lanes move to the center lane, who has the right of way? If two vehicles on a multi-lane road on outside lanes. Oh, are we, okay, just because I'm trying to unpack what you put here. Do you mean if there's three lanes traveling in one direction, they're both on the outside and they both want to make a, uh, a, a move to the center? Both are responsible for ensuring that that movement can be completed in safety. And if both make the move at the same time and both make contact, both of them are responsible for the collision. It would likely be 50-50. Uh, there's no, uh, uh, you know, my car is red, your car is green, I'm not responsible, you are. Like, obviously, if one person was already in the lane, had moved the majority of the way, had occupied that lane or had finished even their movement, uh, you know, to a reasonable uh perception most people if, if you're the first person in you've almost completed your migration into the lane lane change and the other person starts while you're already well if they've started second they, they don't have right of way and and i would say you would but technically until you own that lane until you're properly within the lane it's not your lane um yeah but, but in your scenario i'm assuming people are doing it at the exact same time if that is not if i've unpacked that incorrectly for you and that's not the question that you meant to ask please let me know and then we'll just try again Okay, Dave. Hi, Dave. Can you drive a vehicle with air brakes with a G to learn with a fully licensed AZ beside you? It's the brake endorsement that I believe you have to have in advance. I don't think you can, uh, uh, I don't, and I'm not a CVSA guy and I don't have my Z endorsement, so I am speculating here and I will speculate in the, in the side of caution. I believe you have to have your air brake ticket before you can learn to drive uh, AZ. I think that's what you need. I could be wrong. And I vaguely remember this. And if Michael, if you are in the, uh, in the and I believe you are in the know, uh, if you've got it, let me know. Um, let me know. Because you know this stuff. He's a truck driver. He knows this stuff. Now, let me know. Because we've talked about this before. It's a muddy memory. I don't like giving bad information. But if you err on the side of caution, uh, I'm going to say that you're going to be safer with your ticket than without. Uh, we'll revisit this. I'll leave it flagged. Uh, I will unflag the other ones. I don't want too many flagged questions. I don't want to read read them later. But that one I do want to look at again. Uh, Nathan, are what is this? Okay, so the question is: Are mine site emergency vehicles classified as such under the HGA? Would they get in trouble for responding with lights and sirens on public roads if it was necessary to access emergency location? Um, I don't. I don't know. Uh, we don't have any mines in in the in the GTA. I've never dealt with mining vehicles as emergency vehicles. I don't think that they classify unless you have special constable status of some kind uh, as a uh, as an emergency vehicle. I don't think they would. Uh, so I would say that yes, you would because it's very specifically for police for lights and sirens. Uh, it is specifically for police, ambulance, and. Uh, and fire, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you are not eligible to use those on public property. In fact, having a siren uh, even installed is an offense under the Highway Traffic Act. Um, but I can't really speak to the mine site emergency vehicle side of things. I just have no experience there. Uh, but I will, uh, I will venture to find out more because uh, you've you got me on LinkedIn, and uh, we'll talk. And I'm going to make a note here because I've, I just, yeah, it might be under some strange exemption, but I couldn't say for sure. All right. Evandro says, good morning, everybody. <laughs> just assume that's how, how you sound saying that. Uh, I'm kidding. I've heard your voice. I've watched your videos. Uh, thank you for watching. And uh, you have a question. We'll get to that in just one second. Uh, let's see here. Oh, here's Michael with the answer. A Question is posted about learning A class with G class only. Must pass A written and Z written tests to drive A accompanied. Uh, probably no owner will allow this. Go to truck school. Well, there you go. Uh, I was under the impression that uh, so A written. Okay, because I, I know that even if you don't have your A, uh, that you can you can be supervised with a G. Is what my understanding is. I shouldn't say I know. My understanding is that's what it is. Uh, but I like the idea of truck school. I, I like the idea of anyone who gets professional training learning from somebody else uh not my first choice sean chen good morning good morning to you sean 
Okay, here's a question from Evandro. If a person stops with their car in front of a pedestrian crossing, what is the penalty? And I think I'll rephrase it because I think what you're asking is if someone fails to stop in, and, and blocks maybe the pedestrian crossing. Uh, so it depends if, if see, because generally speaking, you have to stop before, either at the stop bar or before the crossing. So if you've stopped in the crossing, you failed to stop uh, or very least stopped at the wrong place. It's $110 fine if it's a stop sign. Um, yeah, if you've, if you've crossed over the stop bar or entered the uh, crosswalk, you've, you've effectively run a red light uh, by stopping in the wrong place. Uh, so there's, there's charges there and most likely it would be stop wrong place. Uh, I wonder if that applies to red lights as well. I've never laid that charge in that, in that particular scenario. Uh, let's do a quick check. I'll just search for stop wrong place and see what comes back. I know it exists for stop sign. Okay, so we have a disobey stop sign, stop wrong place, $110, like I was talking about. Uh, disobey portable red light, stop wrong place. Stop wrong place at railway crossing for buses. I don't see it for red light, so it might just be fail to stop. Um, and that's bad. <laughs> that's, not a good, that's not a good ticket. If it's something else, if that's not what you meant to ask me, please rephrase and come at me again. We'll talk about it. Uh, Sean Chen says, it's a beautiful day today. I, I wouldn't know. The sun was not up when I got here. I have not looked outside since. I will have to take your word for it. I am uh, I am at crunch time. We're doing stuff and things here, preparing for tomorrow. Okay. What is the, it's a follow, it's another question from Mandro. Small question, those stop here on red light, are you supposed to wait until green? Uh, it's, I believe, and I hate the, I love questions that I don't have fantastic answers for. Um, stop here is to specify where you are expected to stop. It's usually placed in a position where you have a strange corner. Because if you read what you're supposed to do at a stop sign, uh, let's see if, I, if it's in this description. Okay, so if you look at a stop, a stop sign, uh, the scripture here says, shall stop his or her vehicle or streetcar at a marked stop line, or if none, then immediately before entering the nearest crosswalk, or if none, then immediately before entering the intersection. Well, this is giving a clear distinction as to where you can stop. Do you have to wait until the green there? No, if you're able to make a right turn on red from uh, by moving up after you've come to a complete stop, that there's, there's nothing that I can see that would prevent you from doing that, assuming it was safe to do. Uh, but some of, we have some very strange intersections that were designed. Uh, I won't even. I was going to make a joke, and that would offend someone. I was going to. Um, I was going to make reference to the fact that when I was traveling by motorcycle in the, where was I? Tennessee, North Carolina area. Um, people said, "Wow, these these roads were laid by goat. You know, wherever the goat walked, that's where they put a road." And sometimes we have intersections that resemble the roads in, in where I was riding motorcycle in the mountains. Just saying. No offense to whoever designed them. They're probably not around, or at very least, probably not listening. Okay, moving on. Ben has a question. Are go-karts legal to ride on the road? Uh, I just built one with my grandfather, and I want to know if, um, I assume there was, you meant to say, if you can. Uh, no, go-karts are not legal for the road. Go-karts are motor vehicles only permitted on go-kart tracks or private property. Uh, if you have a go-kart on the road, you are eligible for wonderful tickets uh, like driving without insurance, uh, which was, has a five to $25,000 fine uh, and up to six months in jail. Uh, now, I have to always clarify because people say, what, jail, no way, that's crazy. Eligible. Doesn't mean everyone who gets that gets the full 25000 In fact, that's why there's a range, five to twenty-five. And if you're the first time you're being convicted, it would be unlikely that it would be more than 5000 unless there was something, you know, horrible, uh, you, you know, related to this, something egregious. Uh, but the uh, the average person is going to see a $5,000 fine uh, and probably not get jail time. That being said, don't drive your go-kart on the road. It's also way low on the ground, which means it's under the sight line of most vehicles, which means you would probably get run over and seriously hurt, if not killed, by Driving on the road, you run unnecessary risk aside from legality. Uh, what is this? Can you drive in a bike lane for 100 meters to turn right at stoplights? No. No, bike lanes are bike lanes. You cannot drive uh, in them at all except for pinching the curve at the intersection where there are hash marks, where there is a dotted line. If there is a dotted line uh, at a, at a uh, 
what is it called, a uh, bike lane. It is to uh, signify where you are intentionally or intended to pinch the curb so that cyclists can go around you to the left. It depends on the bike lane and the design of that bike lane uh, as to how you are supposed to handle it. Some of them are solid lines right to the curb and you should not enter it, at which point you'd be in the bike lane and uh, you'd be eligible for a ticket. There are also, uh, wherever you see green markings within a bike lane is to identify and say, this is a place where cyclists and motor vehicles may meet up. Not, not, not supposed to make contact, but they might be in the same place at the same time. Uh, areas of, uh, where, where people are crossing to enter driveways as a, you know, example. Anyway, again, you cannot drive for any meters in a uh, bicycle lane because that's not where cars go. They're for bicycles to protect vulnerable road users on bicycle. Uh, Iqbal Singh writes, is, sorry, Iqbal, I said Iqbal, and I probably, because I've been listening to too many uh, Disney movies recently, uh, it sounds like another name I've been listening to. So I believe it's Iqbal, says, is it possible to work in police part-time? Um, used to be as a court officer, you were hired part-time. I don't believe that practice is still in place. Uh, there are positions for police officers that are experienced or retired to come back in a part-time capacity, but I am not aware of any police agency that hires part-time police officers in Canada. I may be incorrect, but I don't believe that there is a, a current organization that does that. Um, there's auxiliary opportunities, which are volunteer unpaid positions, and those are opportunities to do part-time work because you're only required to do 150 hours a year. But again, it's unpaid and probably won't help you pay rent or mortgage or food. Uh, I did that for 12 years. Fantastic opportunity to volunteer. However, um, that's the story. Uh, do mobility scooters on the roadway follow the same rules as bicycles? Mobility scooters are a very funny statement. What is a mobility scooter? If it's truly a mobility scooter meant for uh, people who have difficulty with mobility getting in and, and it's the middle road between um, wheelchair, but not. So it's not capable of going quickly. It is entirely intended for moving people around in and out of buildings and to and from cars and up and down sidewalks. It's not meant for the road. Uh, are they considered by uh, pedestrians? Sort of, but not. Like you can be charged for impaired operation on a mobility scooter. Now we've seen some vehicles that are marketed as mobility scooters that I don't believe are mobility scooters at all. And uh, determining whether or not it qualifies as a motor vehicle or not, um, isn't that hard uh, to do? Most of them I, that I've seen, I don't think qualify as mobility scooters, uh, nor do they qualify as legal e-bikes, which some manufacturers and salespeople are trying to push them as. So I think that's a very um, interesting question that I don't have a really good answer for other than what I've already given you. You have to follow the rules of the road. Whether So if you're on a mobility scooter and we're not going to deal with the legality of whether or not you're allowed to be on the road at all, but if you're not stopping for stop signs or, or lights, well, it applies to bicycles, uh, motor vehicles, even pedestrians have to follow the basic rules of the road. So um, yeah, you need to be safe. <laughs> so I don't know what, my question to you, Chase, is Give me a scenario. Do you mean like stop signs and red lights or do you, do you, is there something else? What, where's this coming from? That's what I want to know. Uh, okay. Okay, so Michael has a comment. He says, I answered before. Sean got to Dave Q as an add-on. Insurance probably will not cover claim if anything happens. Go to truck schools, do an internet search, and Humber College is the best in Toronto. Cool. Here's a question from a different Michael. Deep question. Is there a certain event, organization, or person you would attribute to the negativity towards the police over the last few years? Um, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. Uh, there's, been, there's been a lot of uh, dislike over situations that occur in the United States that have, that have been, we've been labeled with, you know, at the same time. Something happens... Um, in the States and uh, people think that that applies to Canada. and It, it really doesn't. Um, I, I think that media and social media do a lot of damage to police, um, but at the same time, don't do anything for all the good we do every single day. 
what we do that is good is like 99.99% of what we do. And occasionally uh, something bad happens, something that either someone gets offended, someone gets hurt, uh, something goes sideways, and uh, and then everyone is suddenly bad. It's not it's not appropriate, but that's what that's what happens with news and media. So I, I don't have a specific thing. So I, I I wish I had a better answer for you. I don't I don't I don't know of one thing to point out uh, to make everyone guilty. <laughs> I don't. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what's the penalty when turning? What is this? What's the penalty when turning when there's a no turn except for emergency vehicles? The very simple one would be uh, uh, disobey sign. And disobey sign, I think, is $110, three demerit points. And that's that could be anything, and that would be a catch-all. I, I don't think there's a no turn except for emergency vehicle violation. It's a, it's a disobey sign. Let's see what the confirm. Disobey sign, $110, two demerit points, not three. Every driver or operator of a vehicle or streetcar shall obey the instructions or directions indicated on any sign so erected. All right. Scrolling back. Okay, there's a question about uh, lane splitting and uh, yeah, lane splitting. Our motorcycles, our motorcycles are allowed to go between lanes on regular road on the highway. No, nope. careless driving, stunt driving, or dangerous driving under the criminal code or options for police officers to lay uh, based on the observations that they say. You, you can't be driving between vehicles uh, to pass them because you like to go places <laughs> faster than everybody else. It's not safe. It's unsafe practice. Some places, uh, like California, for instance, allow it. It's legal there. They acknowledge the California Highway Patrol on their website acknowledges that it's a dangerous practice. However, it's legal. So they have suggestions about... Uh, uh, speed differential, you know, how much faster than the, the vehicles. Uh, but e even, uh, sorry, how much faster than the vehicles you are traveling past should you go? According to them, uh, you should reduce that, I believe. Oh, actually, I won't even state it because I don't, I don't remember the number. It's a smaller number. The problem is that people are doing this on the road and they're doing it like 50 kilometers faster than the traffic. Like they're, they're really cooking past people. Um, that's where it starts getting into stunt and or criminal dangerous driving because you're putting lives at risk. I don't trust people to get to where they're going at the speed limit because people are so distracted on their cell phones. So to then put your life at risk or put others' lives at risk, because bad things happen when you start going between vehicles, people don't do shoulder check. People are, do, are barely doing the minimum when it comes to safety. I say people broadly. Obviously, you might be a magical driver, but everybody else may not be. And and even if you are a magical driver, you don't lanes would. It's just, yeah, I I'm trying not to be offensive, but we've seen a lot of poor driving skills and corners cut when it comes to safety. People choosing to speed, choosing to, um, you know, be very aggressive. All the things that lead to serious injury and death. And then you put someone on a motorcycle who's doing all of those things to get past everyone else, not taking into consideration that there's other people also being dangerous and aggressive. And the combination of those things just amplifies the risk and it's risk to everybody. Uh, Tim Shallow says, good morning, Sean. And I say good morning to you, sir. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, it was nice. It, it, I met Tim's family at uh, Fan Expo. I say family, wife wife, and, and son. I think it was your son. Yes. Is it your son? Do you have a son? Do you have a daughter? I've now forgotten. I think it was your son. Um, and I did not meet Tim because he was, like, not there. <laughs> but I met everybody else. Uh, Michael. If there's a broken line for a bus stop, line goes solid again before intersections to traffic, not go to curb for right turn because it's... Um, if there's a broken line for bus stop, line goes solid again before intersection. Should traffic not go to curb for right turn because line... I have to see the intersection. I, I'm, I'm not... I'm having difficulty visualizing that. Like if it's for a bus cutout, or maybe it's suggesting that you should be making that, you know, that, that uh, lane change early. At the end of the day... The line going into a turning lane is not a uh, enforceable line. If it's a bus lane, you, you're a lot. Mm, where's the scenario? Give me a scenario. Where is it? I want to pull it up on Google Maps. I don't want to give you advice uh, that that uh, uh, without seeing it. Just I can't visualize that. I don't know of, a, of an intersection that goes like that because usually it wouldn't be solid. But anyway, you, I know I know that you know where you're talking about. Let me know. Uh, do visiting officers such as Secret Service need special permits to carry? 
Um, there are uh, there are special arrangements made for police officers outside of Canada to carry here and vice versa. Um, <laughs> uh, when Sean can retire, will we still get you in office part-time or at home studio to keep going live? I imagine that this will be a hobby of mine well into retirement. I, I, I like doing this. I would, I would probably still do this. Uh, do research before buying electric vehicles like scooters or bikes. Too many buyers are unaware. Absolutely. And that goes for any electric vehicle. You're buying an, uh, you know, an electric bicycle, electric scooter, um, balance wheel, one wheel, unicycle. There are a lot of rules. And a lot of people are buying these very expensive vehicles, not realizing they're totally illegal for the road. And in the situation of the electric unicycle, they're, they're not permitted to be used anywhere, and they are motor vehicles, and we are charging their drivers for unsafe motor vehicles in addition to driving without insurance because uh, it's a one-wheel motorcycle. I know it's a unicycle, but it qualifies. They have units with seats. They they meet the definition. We'll charge them for everything, and it's an unsafe motor vehicle, and people are getting into crashes with them, being hurt terribly. Um, yeah, do your research. Call the police and ask us on the non-emergency line, or well, if you're watching the show, you already have access to the info. Uh, calm down, 19. What do you think? Oh, okay. What do you think about adding speed power limits to cars similar to e-bikes having these limits? I'm all for it. I've talked about this earlier. Um, I am all for having external lockdowns, geofencing, some kind of external control to reduce the maximum output of a vehicle in our city. There's no reason that anyone needs to go above the posted speed limit anywhere, but definitely in in areas uh, like Toronto where we have people everywhere and we need to protect them. So if people have a difficulty managing their speed by by pushing down on an accelerator well above the speed limit, then maybe that that choice needs to be taken away. That's not something that's currently before the, the, that, that I'm aware of being spoken about by anyone. I think it's personally something that would be great. I also like the idea of having uh, you know heavy, heavy enforcement for all of the offenses and electronic enforcement to make that more feasible. You know, did, did you ever watch, um, uh, what is it called, Fifth Element? Uh, that one of my favorite movies, absolute one of my favorite movies. And, you know, Bruce Willis plays a space taxi driver. And, you know, he, if I think he, every time he hit a car, like the printer in his, in his car just starts spitting out tickets, like for all his offenses. Um, I think that's great. Why not hold people accountable? Maybe they will change their behavior. That's all it is. It's all about choice. If you choose to engage in dangerous and unsafe behavior, you deserve to pay the fine or lose your license. That's really the goal. Can you refuse a roadside breathalyzer test? Breath, breath, I can't say breathalyzer today. Okay, I, I said it right. Uh, so it, it's not really a breathalyzer. Breathalyzer is the test, the, the, the actual scientific instrument used at the police station, or we have portable units too. Um, but a roadside screening device takes a breath sample and determines, uh, you know, whether or not you're over the legal limit uh, at the roadside, which you would then be taken for a further test from an actual approved instrument. It's just a higher bar. One one creates court um, evidence, and one provides uh, support to 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 um, substantiate arrest. You know, anyway, or grounds for the rest. Uh, so here's the deal. If an officer reads you a demand for a roadside screening device, which is a what you're referring to when you say breathalyzer test, um, you cannot refuse. You are legally obligated to do it. You're also legally ob- obligated to do uh, a standard field sobriety test uh, if that is the, uh, the the demand that you are read. If you refuse either of those, you will be charged with a criminal offense of refuse, and it is the same consequence has had you have failed. I mean, I did a video about this on TikTok recently. If you say no, well, how about this? If you take the test, you may pass, you may fail. Uh, if you have less than 0.049 blood alcohol content, um, you are below the threshold for blood in your, uh, or alcohol in your blood. You won't be charged, you won't be, uh, uh, you, you might be impaired, and that could be, there could be grounds for that separately. That's, that's a whole different situation. But that is under the threshold for even a three-day suspension. 0.05 to 0.079, that is the threshold where you receive a three-day suspension and your car is getting towed. You're going, uh, not getting criminally charged, but you're you're not driving. You're going to get be suspended. And if you get it again, uh, another uh, fail or warrant, I should say, within 10 years, that goes from a three-day to a seven-day. These things 
increase. And then uh, you, I think if you do it again, you're going into some kind of uh, training or, or uh, uh, you have to do a course. I've never actually had someone like worn a third time within 10 years. Anyway, um, but again, if you refuse, you fail. It's the same as a fail. We don't take the blood, to, uh, we don't take the uh, measurement of how much alcohol you have, but you get the same consequences. And I have to give you some, some advice. No, I can't give you advice. I can't brand this as advice. But I will suggest to you, based on my experience, it is easier to convict somebody for refusing than it is to convict someone for uh, for uh, actually having um, the alcohol. It's just it's just easier. It's not not less possible. I don't want to say that, that it's less work. That's what I'm. Good. It's not that it's easier. It's less work. I can con- get a conviction for you because you said no. Easier than having to bring a toxicologist and all sorts of people to show that you had numbers in your in your blood. It's just it's just people do a disservice to themselves. They think they're they're going to do something good and and they just make life easier for the officer. It's just much easier, less paperwork. Yeah. All right. The answer is no. That was a very long and involved. The answer is no. You cannot refuse. Can you run in a bicycle lane? It's a bicycle lane. Why would you run in a bicycle lane? Uh, is it against the law for a pedestrian to be in a bicycle lane? I'm not aware of an offense for, for that. Um, I'm sure that the cyclists don't like it. Let me see. Is, maybe there is one. I don't think there is a um, bicycle lane. Maybe it's under bike lane. I don't even have anything for coming up for bike. Uh, improper use, do, do, what's it under? Lane change, cyclist, no. I don't think it's an offense. I mean, listen, if you talk about being on the, a pedestrian being on the road, they're legally allowed to be on the road. Um, and I know a lot of uh, motorists or cyclists, sorry, a lot of runners want to be on the asphalt because they don't want to have the same, the concrete's too hard to run on. It's bad for them. Um, yeah. I don't think it's illegal. I don't think it's a, a good idea. I think cyclists will run into you <laughs> or have the potential anyway. Uh, there you go. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I wait to be corrected by someone who knows more than me. I don't think it's illegal. Uh, speed 150 miles per hour is the username. Question is, railroader, uh, railroader here, have, ever have a run-in with railway police opinions on them? I have a friend of mine who used to be with the railway police. I've never, uh, I've never had a run-in with them or worked with them professionally, other than the fact that he's an awesome guy who is now a, a local police officer elsewhere. Um, I've spoken to them about railway safety, but I've, I, I don't have anything negative to say. Hey, hey. are you joining in? You know what? I have less than ten minutes. Okay, less than ten minutes, but we'll take it. I haven't been here in a while. No, it's so. been a long time. Sergeant Campbell's joining us. All right. I'll move out of the way. I'm uh, I'm just getting ready to go out on the road. I'm doing some training today. Training is good. Yeah. Um, and that, it's also good that you're here because there's questions that need answering. Oh. Um, mine site emergency vehicles. Mine site. So it's a site of a mine. Yeah. They have lights and sirens. Okay. Are they considered emergency vehicles for the purposes of the HDA? I don't know. I don't know either. Good. I'm glad we're in an agreement. Yeah. Uh, I guess it would depend on what their designation is. If they are emergency vehicles, if they're medical responders, even if they're private medical responders, uh, as long as they meet the definition under the, the act, uh, the health act, then... It's possible. It's possible, yes. I don't want to give a ruling. I, don't, I have a gavel. I got to bring my gavel in. Um, I don't want to give a ruling. I don't. I can't say for sure. I have no experience. We have no mines in Toronto that I'm aware of. Well, that is true. <laughs> uh, but Northern Ontario, certainly, um, and, and even Eastern Ontario. So uh, it's quite possible. And they wouldn't have red and blue flashing lights on them unless they were designated. So Well, actually, who knows? People put all sorts of things in all sorts well, of places. Well, unless they... Do it themselves. They bought it themselves. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I like. Oh, here's a question. Someone wants to know about: Can you can runners run in a bicycle lane? That was a, a, a very recent question. We'll come back to rail rail roaders question uh, since you walked in. But the question that was before was: Can can a runner run in a bicycle lane? Well, would a runner run down a regular traffic lane? 
Well, they would. There are so if, if there's no sidewalk present, the instructions in the HTA would be to run contraflow on the road. That is correct. So it all depends. It does depend. So a bicycle lane is designated under the bylaw uh, as a bicycle lane. Does the bylaw say that nothing else can be in there? No. Well, it says the vehicles can't be in there. It says motor vehicles can't be. Yeah. I uh, I would. We have. We have separated up vehicles, pedestrians, and bicyclists for their safety. Mm -hmm. They all move at different speeds. They all take a different amount of space in the area, and their their agility is all all different. Um, a car cannot swerve as quickly as a bicycle. A bicycle cannot swerve as quickly as a pedestrian. It is safer, hundred percent safer, to keep them all separately. We talked about that, and I think safety is is the ultimate goal. But legality is the question, and I. I think that I don't think there's an offense for it. I don't know if there's an offense for it or not. I haven't looked at the bylaw uh, directly related to the, uh, the cycle lane, cycle tracks, um, because we have a few different ones, and each one has different um, allowances in it. So, so I say it's not a good idea, but I understand why people want to do it. Oh, I hundred percent say it's not a good idea. Yes, railroad. So railroader, he works in a railroad, wants to know if we've ever had a run-in with railway police, and do we have opinions on them? I have nothing bad to say. A friend of mine was with the railway police and is now a police officer with another police service. Um, they have authority to do what they do. I don't know anything. I have nothing bad to say about them. Have you ever had any experiences? Uh, I've had multiple experiences with them. Um, we unfortunately, when there's a uh, train collision or a, um, a trespasser that has been struck on, on railway lands, we would be the first responders to go out to them. Um, we would conduct a, an investigation into if there was any criminality. Mm -hmm. uh, involved in it, um, but the railway investigation would be left up to the um, the rail police of jurisdiction. There, they're um, they're sworn in federally, so under the Railways Act, they have authority all across Canada, no matter where they are. I think some of them can go into the states too because of the railway line. Uh, in relation to their railway line, mm -hmm. if they owned it in the states, so um, the, I know they have different powers than we do. Um, HTA powers, they do. In relation to their property. In relation to their I think property. it's 500 meters from their property. So I know that my friend was a breath tech for the railway police yep. and, and would stop people in and around breath, uh, railway crossings and charge them up. Yep, absolutely. Because it's it's their lands. It's their federal lands. So um, I have nothing but good things to say about all of our policing uh, partners that we have out there. We're paid to say that. <laughs> well, you know, it's true though, right? Their goal is the same as our goal, to make it safer for... Um, for their railways, for the people around their railways, uh, and to keep their um, vehicles moving, kind of like what we do on our roads, right? We want to keep all the vehicles moving, but we want to do it safely, so. Absolutely. Uh, Dieter Singh wants to know if it's legal to drive a car without a hood. And I've had this discussion before. I, I believe that a hood is a safety requirement. Uh, I've had a discussion with uh, uh, some people who race and who've dealt with modded cars, and it, it, the discussion has come down to how is the vehicle certified be on the road when it was manufactured. And you start removing parts, and in, the, in particular, the hood being an area that if you strike a pedestrian, they'd get caught in your engine compartment as opposed to gliding off, which is, I say gliding off like, it, like it's comfortable. But you know, you've got spinning things there that could hurt people, and obviously hurting them with the front of the end of your bumper is, is a big problem. But what happens afterwards would be a continuation of that. I, I think it would be unsafe. That's an interesting thought on it. And I, I can say that it is unsafe if there's any part of the vehicle um, with sharp edges that can cause um, cause damage, injury, stuff like that. But specifically a hood, I don't believe so. Yeah, I, I, I don't. There's nothing in the HTA that's that I can find that says must have hood. But I believe it goes to the broader safety side of things. But I don't, I, um, I don't believe it is one of the safety criteria that is... Uh, even the new safety criteria, which is much more stricter um, for vehicle certifications, I don't believe it is. Hmm. Interesting. I, I personally wouldn't do it. I don't know why would someone would want to do it. I think it would also negatively impact their, their drag. It certainly would, but it increases the airflow around about their engine as well and gets rid of some heat. Yeah. Vehicles were manufactured without hoods uh, back in the olden days. And for those, I would say those would be legal. But I, but I, I will have to put a pin in this one because I was, it's an older conversation. It was with Speedman. Yep. And uh, the ultimate determination was we didn't think it was legal, but we have not verified that with thou shall not drive without a hood law. So I wouldn't, uh, depending on the whole set of circumstances, I wouldn't be charging somebody 
for driving without a hood. But yeah, it depends on the entire set of circumstances. Yes, it's the holistic approach to law enforcement. We look at the totality. I like that word. Uh, Devin Fleck wants to know, if you have an accident, we say collision, at home. Oh, oh no, you're actually talking about an accident. Like, oopsie do I slipped and that knife went to my forearm. Um, are you allowed to drive yourself to the hospital on a learner's? You're talking a G1? G1, no. Uh, hard, no. That, that is an absolute no. Uh, there is no ex emergency uh, exemption. There is no, uh, no one was around. What you do have is the ability to call 911 and have an ambulance. And depending on your collision or your accident or your oopsie-doo or your boo-boo, you may really need a professional to stabilize you or the patient prior to transportation. Um, and depending on your injuries, you shouldn't, whether you have a license or not, you right. shouldn't be driving your car. Well, well that's what I'm getting at. Like, you know, we have trained drivers, thus, you know, police, fire, ambulance, who operate vehicles in, in, in high-stress situations. They focus on what they're doing. They have training behind it. They even, at very least, they have a driver's license, which you don't at a G1. Um, but they're focused on getting you there safely, not getting there fast. Uh, advanced paramedic care, when they come to your house and they stabilize you, they're actually giving you the life-saving stuff that's going to extend your ability to be moved as opposed to just getting you there. If they just put you in a bag or on a, on a gurney and ran like they did in the old days, your odds are, you know, get there faster, don't survive. Now you survive because they prepared you to transport. And if they transport you, you may actually not get there. Yeah. So but, there's no exemption for doing anything just because you deem it as a emergency as, as what you may feel as an emergency. Now, now I'm not saying that you, so if you had a supervising driver and you met all the qualifications and you weren't the injured party, um, well then it would be silly for you as the, the, you want to be the person in a stressful situation driving. You the 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 qualified and and experienced driver is the one that you want. Now you cannot be a super. You can't be a G one driving a motor vehicle if your supervising driver is impaired by alcohol, let alone impaired by you know injury, being you know chest wound or something like yep. that. There's it, 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 would so here here's the thing. If you did it and you get caught. Is it possible the officer will charge you? Yes, it's possible, if not likely. Is it possible that you would cause more damage if you crash the car because of your inexperience? That's a very high likelihood of outcome. Um, if your insurance company found out about it after the collision and said, well, we're not insuring you because you're not licensed. So now you're out whatever the car is worth. And granted, the, the, the excuse is always, well, if I don't do this, they're going to die. And you, you may think that in the moment, but you actually may cause their death. Um, cause others to die. Uh, it, it could be, it's just a bad idea. Yeah. The whole, uh, the key word on your question there is learners. Yes. You're there specifically to learn and you're allowed to operate the motor vehicle to learn. And driving to the hospital, that's not learning. Yeah, not a good idea. The, um, uh, you know, a lot of people in the States, and we have a lot of viewers in the States who say, well, I'm not calling for a five to $10,000 ambulance ride. I'm going to drive. Okay, if you choose to drive or you're in a remote area and the, the, the chances of, of EMS getting there before the person passes, I get the urgency. I get it. I understand. I understand both financially, but call 911, take direction from the operator. Um, always, like, don't just do something. And I've heard in, in remote areas where people will say, okay, we're going to dispatch an ambulance to the cross section or you're going to meet in the middle because that's the route you're going to take and they make a plan. So at very least have a plan. And don't drive as a learner. <laughs> At the right. end, yeah. yeah. Uh, Evan asks, I got a ticket for parking on the street, even though I paid the parking through online. What should I do? It sounds like you might have a defense. Um, that would be an opportunity for you to go to court and challenge it with the evidence you have because you paid. Um, sadly, sometimes when we do things online, we punch the wrong number in for the wrong number uh, meter. Um, it's possible that there was a technical issue, a user error issue being typed in the wrong thing. But at the end of the day, if you have a receipt saying you paid for it, you have a defense. Yep, absolutely. So there is an, an avenue that you can take to um, to dispute it. Um, and if it's valid, you won't have to pay for it. Yes. Uh, Red, Red Dragon says, do I need to carry my original vehicle permit or holding a photocopy is enough? So a true copy. It has to be a true copy. Has, no, no, no false copies. True copy is really just the, 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 the legal definition for a copy that is truly both sides of the document, the entire document. Um, we used to have to put validation stickers on, so the copy had to be a valid copy of the validated original. 
Um, some people would put the stickers on the photocopy. I thought that was always entertaining. Yep. Uh, so if it's an actual copy of both sides of a valid document, uh, then it would be acceptable. And I carry a photocopy. I don't carry a original because your original would be good to keep at home in a safe place. Yeah, it's actually a good idea to keep a photocopy in there. Should somebody come and uh, break into your vehicle, steal that original document, they could also steal your vehicle and go out and, you know, try and sell it to an unsuspecting buyer. I don't even want people to know where I live. I want nothing with my address in my vehicle. I carry my, my ownership in my wallet. Nothing in the vehicle has my address. Mail doesn't stay in, like nothing. Okay, I've got McDonald's coupons, that's it. But there's no address on it. Mm, McDonald's. They have, they have monopolies back on. I've actually done well. My, my kids like the, the stuff. And I, I buy them big kid sandwiches that are little kid sandwiches so I they can have the tickets. Try not it's garbage food. Oh, did I say that out loud? No, it's, they're very lovely food and, they, and they're a fantastic organization that has been very kind to us. Okay. Uh, to, to Actually, they do a lot of charity, which is good. Uh, can you talk about jaywalking? I feel like it's not understood. There, there's no offense called jaywalking. Uh, that's not a thing. Um, in most cases, you can legally cross the road, even if you're outside of an intersection, as long as you're not within close proximity to a crosswalk. Because within, is it 50 meters? Within 50 meters of a crosswalk, you're obligated to use the crosswalk? Am I, sorry. Am I making that up? Sorry, I was... Doing stuff. Doing stuff. Um, so the question is for the jaywalking, but if you're within 50, is it 50 meters from a crosswalk that you have to use a crosswalk? I don't know the exact meters, but if, I usually say if it's in sight, you should be using it. Yeah, it is safe. And if you don't, then could you be charged for not using it? Yes. The the there are many 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 uh, pedestrian. What's what's the word I'm looking for? Pundits, people who are promoting uh, safety for vulnerable road users, have alleged to me that crossing any crosswalk is less safe because of the number of opportunities for collision versus crossing at a uh, mid block. They say it's safer. Um, there is a higher potential because there are many opportunities to be struck. And I've talked to the TERF, the Traffic Injury Research Foundation. Um, they talk about the fact that there are multiple opportunities for striking, but the speeds at, at the other, we see more fatalities mid-block. Yeah. 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 The higher the speed of the vehicle, uh, the more damage it can cause. The the higher the, mom the weight that is in moment, you know, the momentum behind it. Causes the injury. It's so. a big kaboom or a less big kaboom? So, yes, there is more opportunity at an intersection. There's vehicles that are turning, not always paying attention. Um, but you have to weigh that with everything else that's going on. Speed, anticipation. like just Drivers think that when it's a straightaway, they just drive. They're yeah. not expecting you. So, But that's not to say that they, they're allowed to hit you. They're not allowed to hit you. Most of the issue when it, you know, when it comes to confusion about can I cross mid-block is are you there? Is it lawful? Is it reasonable that you can get across safely? And if not, well, then you may be responsible for the collision that occurs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've charged pedestrians. And do it smartly. Don't just run out in the middle of the road. And if there's if there's cars coming, don't mm -hmm. see if you can try and beat them. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's so many. And then, yeah, we, there's so many potentials for bad things to happen. JT wants to know, what can be considered hit and run besides hitting somebody? <laughs> uh, if you are involved in a collision, directly or indirectly, and uh, that, and that means you could be the person who swerved, causing someone else to swerve to avoid hitting you. That caused a collision. Well, you were involved in that collision. Yep. You were in fact Indirectly. the catalyst of that collision. Uh, um, you are obligated to do certain things: stop, render assistance, uh, provide your information, your vehicle information, your insurance information. Um, if you don't do any of those things, there's a couple of different sections that you could um, uh, be charged with. Uh, it's not hit and run. It's uh, um, fail to provide, or fail to remain, or fail to report, or fail to provide an identification. Lots and lots, and sometimes you get all of them. Yep. Uh, if you uh, are involved in a collision that meets the criteria, there's injury, there's impairment, there's uh, damage, combined damage over $2,000, you have to make a police report. And if you don't, and it's report forthwith. Mm -hmm. So forthwith is now, unless you're directed somewhere else. Yes. So it, it, you don't have to actually hit someone. You could you could be indirectly involved. That's the big question that you're asking. What else is considered hit and run? Yeah. Uh, it's, but ultimately, it's failing to report a collision. It, well, it's actually, yeah, hit and run is when you don't stop. You don't take care of the necessities of life. It's those things. Yeah. Uh, the good sergeant is alive, according to Michael. Well, mostly. Mostly. Uh, I have a question. What could be the charge for first-time offender for no insurance on a vehicle? 
if you're driving a motor vehicle and you're driving it without insurance, uh, the the, op- the options to the court are a range of five to twenty-five thousand dollars and up to six months in jail. Five thousand is a minimum. Yes. It's, it is a not to mention the fact that if you are driving without insurance and you cause injury or you're in a collision, you are responsible personally. You, you're you're going to get sued. Uh, I know someone who um, was in, they were the victim of fraud. They thought they were insured. It turns out they weren't insured. And I think it was a quarter of a million dollars that they that they were uh, sued for and were responsible for paying. Like, and that was a lifetime of pain. That uh, that can you know affect you for many 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 years. In addition to any charges you get. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, electric bikes, can they be on the sidewalk and how fast can they go before they need a license? E-bikes, and if you want to go to trafficcop.ca, you can see all the rules about e-bikes. Uh, electric bikes cannot be on the sidewalk at all. Uh, heck no. Heck they no. cannot go. Heck not. I like that. Heck no. Um, yeah, the deal is that they're not permitted. Now, jurisdictions like in Toronto, no bicycle can be on the sidewalk unless it is operated by someone under the age of 14. So they can be 13 years old with a bicycle. E-bikes, you must be 16 year old, uh, 16 years old to operate them. Thus, there's no e-bikes on sidewalks. Uh, I'm a bus driver. What? Speed. Oh, speed. How 32. fast can they go? They are. They cannot be capable of going more than 32 kilometers an hour under power um, on a flat surface. So if it does 33 kilometers an hour, it is a motor vehicle requiring a license. Yeah. In fact, it's a motorcycle. Yes. And requires a motorcycle license and license plates and insurance. Proper and braking system, all the regulatory requirements of a motor vehicle. Uh, it's going to get very expensive. And we see people who modify e-bikes to do 60, 70, 90. Um, those are motorcycles without a question. And uh, we, we, I kind of salivate with the opportunity to write those tickets. Oh, they're, they're huge tickets. Yeah. Those are people who are basically putting everyone at risk and doing so without insurance um, and safety uh, and even know-how. And they're doing it. That's something that all drivers should be upset about. I, I would be very, I am very upset when I see it because it's people who are not paying into the system that's there to protect everybody. Yep, I agree. And uh, and on that note, I'm out. Okay, I gotta go. Ciao for now. It was good to see you. Uh, I will slide back here. I recently bothered you about Ford driving event. I'm curious if there's anything else like it, just with different brands. That's coming in from Instagram. Uh, the answer is, I'm not aware of anybody else who does it. I know that BMW was offering courses you could buy. I know some manufacturers of supercars will train you to use your car be, uh, when you buy one for a gazillion dollars. But I don't know anybody who does what Ford does. I think the Ford Driving Skills event, drive, uh, Ford Driving Skills for Life is unique. And uh, that that's operated or funded by, uh, in cooperation with Turf the Traffic Injury Research Foundation here in Canada, and of course the Ford Foundation. So fantastic thing that they do. Um, but I don't know anybody else who does it. If anyone who's watching knows and would like to let me know, I will happily share that information on our uh, trafficcop.ca to let everyone know because it, it's just, you know, training. Awesome. Uh, they will be back next year from what I understand. So uh, sign up to their, you can go to trap, uh, you can go to fordrivingskillsforlife.ca, I think is the, the link. And uh, in, in any case, go check it out. Get on their mailing list to let you know when they're coming back. Let's see here. I'm a bus driver on the DVP. There's marked bus lanes. Can all buses use it? No, it's very specifically for go buses. Uh, it is not something that you can use on the DVP that is specifically for go vehicles. Police vehicles could, can use it. It may even include TTC, but certainly not school buses uh, and other buses. It is The signs dictate who can use it. Kathy wants to know, does a cyclist have to stop for a school bus when the stop arm is out? Absolutely. They are a vehicle and they are subject to all of those rules. They must stop. And, and they must also stop for TTC vehicles when they're, you know, servicing stops. We see them not stopping and they're eligible for all those tickets. It's a magical thing. Uh, court, oh, uh, Radic, hey, how's it going? Good morning. Can police officer take my vehicle in a situation where they're on a foot and trying to catch a fleeing suspect? There are uh, situations and opportunities for that. Um, commandeering motor vehicles. Um, I've not read up on it. I've, I've talked about it before. I believe we can do it. I don't know why we'd want to do it, but uh, yeah, it it happened. It has happened. It's a nightmare, I think. But my understanding is they can. Uh, and someone who knows more than me can weigh in and uh, tell me the details of that. But that's my understanding. Uh, something I would never want to do. But we are in emergent situations. We're actually licensed for all. We can we can operate any motor vehicle. If we had an eighteen wheeler that we had to move in an emergent situation, even though I have no idea how to drive an eighteen wheeler, I'm permitted legally to operate it. Crazy, right? 
Uh, Courtney wants to know, do we still have to register our vehicles every year? Yes, you do. You have, it's, it's, you have to renew them. And to do that, you can go onto our website or at least on our, uh, our link tree, which is trafficcop.ca, www.trafficcop.ca. Go there. Go to the useful links. I actually have a, two things there. One, the page to renew, but I also have a link to the page to set your reminders. You can have the Ministry of Transportation or Service Ontario uh, text, email, or phone you, or all three, when your driver's license is about to expire, when your license plate is about to expire, when your health card is about to expire. Useful to sign up for free to do that. Uh, we don't have that sticker on our plates anymore to remind us. Uh, and you can do it for two years, by the way. Uh, is it legal to drive without a bumper? No, bumpers are required. Is it legal to slide the back door of a mini? We talked about this. I forgot to ask. Uh, I, I don't believe that it is. Um, I don't believe that you can. I don't believe that's that's safe. But I don't know for sure. Like what would you? What would you, you're allowed to remove a door? Yeah. I, I would think it's a horrible, bad idea, but you look at other, there's vehicles that are permitted to operate with their doors open. So it may not be, it's just super not a good idea. Uh, Sergeant Campbell is missed when he's not part of the show. Yes, he is. It's nice to have him here. Um, what if I just met, what is this? Oh, okay, so this is the question first about crossing. What if I see a clear road with no cars versus an active intersection? Um, you're talking about crossing? Well, a clear road with no one there, obviously it's unlikely that you'd be hit. In the active intersection, uh, you need to follow the rules of the intersection. Uh, I can't imagine you walking. If it's an active intersection and you're a block away, you're gonna probably have a soon to be active road. It, you gotta choose safety. Uh, what if I just witnessed a collision? Should I wait for police? If you are a witness to it, we would very much like to. Uh, are you obligated to give, uh, you know, if you're involved in it, you're absolutely obligated legally to stay. Um, Ian writes, here in Quebec, our registrations are online now. You can print your own on plain paper. Is this valid and stop on zero? Yes, if, if that's the way that you provided them, that would be legal here too. Um, can I leave the scene of a collision if it feels unsafe and go to a police station or call 911? Is it still hit and run? Um, call 911 immediately. That's your first obligation to notify police. If you're leaving the scene <clears throat> because of, uh, the problem is most people leaving the scene because of criminality are the ones that are actually guilty. So it's gonna look pretty bad. Most people running away are impaired, unlicensed, um, not wanting to get caught. So there's some issues there. Um, call 911 immediately, provide information, get direction. Uh, if you feel unsafe because the other person's being aggressive, stay in your vehicle. Unless it's on fire, that would be bad, but then you're not driving away. Anyway. Um, what I'm getting at is uh, just feeling unsafe based on it's Tuesday and I don't feel safe isn't okay. Uh, what about e-bike going downhill? This is going above 32 kilometers an hour, I mean a ticket. No, it's specifically flat surface. If it's going, if, if based on gravity and pedaling, you're going over 32, uh, does not mean that you are violating the rules. It must be capable, it must not be capable of going over 32 kilometers an hour on level surface under power of the motor. Uh, what if they get off? Oh, so in follow up to the question about school buses. If a bicycle or e-bike gets off and walks past the school bus, that is legal. That is a pedestrian now, not an, a bicycle rider. When they are riding, they are vehicles and subject to stop, required to stop. Leo wife, thank you for jumping in and reminding me it is five minutes past 11, although you put that at 11. So no new questions. Um, Although, this is one question, since it's the only question, I will go for this question. Hudis wants to know, does your mental health history play a factor on your application for the police force in Canada? Police services uh, in Canada very often have um, the, the, they have a background check. They have a psychological um, test. So you, you are, you are, sorry, a psychological survey, and then it goes to a doctor, and you actually have a sit down with a doctor. Uh, so that's that's police services across Canada. Uh, and, and of course, in police services, I think everywhere but Ontario, use a polygraph. So um, that's a thing. So does mental health history play a factor on your application to police? Yeah, they're going to want to qualify you as someone who is stable and capable of carrying a firearm and protecting others. And that, that could, I'm going to assume, have a 
potential to, uh, you've got to be able to say you're okay now. I don't know about history. I've never worked in that environment in terms of employment. I don't know if history does, but I would assume based on the fact that there's a tremendous focus on making sure that you are safe to be out in the road, um, you know, representing the police service, handling firearms. Um, yeah. Someone called from the front desk. I can't answer the phone. Uh, and a thank you from Jabber who says, thank you. I asked a lot and you did. And it is the end of the show. Uh, we will be back, not tomorrow, not Thursday, but Friday. So we'll see you Friday. Have a wonderful week. Uh, I got stuff and things that are happening that take priority and take me away from the show, which makes me sad in a way, but I'm actually very honored to be involved with uh, what's going on in the next couple of days. Um, and for that, uh, I make it okay to say, I'll see you on Friday. Have a great day. traffic flow watch for pedestrians look out for bikes and don't drive like a jerk that no one likes yellow light red light green light driving safely is the way to go put down your cell phone nobody needs you to text and drive on the dvp yellow light red light green light go stop at stop signs look both ways then go Seatbelt save your life indeed and watch your driving. Don't speed. Yellow light, red light, green light, go. Driving safely is the way to go. Don't drink and drive or smoke some weed because you might go to jail and not get freed. Yellow light, red light, green light, go. Driving safely helps the traffic flow. I see Crano says, can you answer my question before the cutoff? I don't know if I saw your question or if it was, what is your question? I don't see your question now. Uh, but we'll be back Friday or send me a DM, which actually there's about 500 DMs that I have to still get to. And that's probably not happening in the next 48 hours because we have lots going on. But uh, yeah, send us a message. You can also send me a, uh, a form submission by going to traffic.ca if it's super, super urgent. Anyway, have a great day. Take care.